you know, it's kind of like there's a lot of holes in the law. Like, well, here's a prime example that I personally experienced. So, so like at Texas Tech, I worked for the entire 2009 season. And then, of course, uh, I end up with a bad apple for a chancellor that makes up this whole uh, lie, and I end up getting fired. And of course, the lie's proven to be false. And then uh, they don't even pay me for 2009. I haven't been paid for 2009. That wouldn't happen in any other state in the country, and it wouldn't even happen in most third-world countries. You watched them. You cheered for them. Maybe you booed them. You listened to them. You were impressed by them. Today, they share their favorite memories with you. It's the Give Me a Sense podcast. Here's your host, Mike Yam. I couldn't be more excited for today's guest. And the reason why I'm excited is because every time I, I talk to this person on the Pac-12 network, I feel like I start every interview with, Coach, I know you don't want to talk football. We'll talk whatever you want to talk. And eventually during the interview, a producer gets in my ear and says, okay, you got to reel it back in. Let's actually talk some football. But Mike Leach, who's the head coach at Washington State, he joins us here on the Give Me a Sense podcast. And, Coach, I have no producer telling me that we have to talk about football today. Well, you know, the thing is, is uh, we get plenty of football covered, and it's like anything. It's like uh, just by the nature of what you do and I do both, we both end up uh, constantly entangled in football. So the occasional breather is good. And then the other thing, it freshens you up so that uh, when you do get back to football, you're even better than you started out, you know. I'm actually glad that you brought that up because I think you're one of the more fascinating coaches in the country because of some of the interest that you have away from football how important is that for you to not be just completely inundated on what's happening with your football team day in every second of every single day well i one of the most fascinating things about football is you got all different walks of life you know people from all over the place different financial backgrounds different racial backgrounds different geographical uh, locations and backgrounds and so that makes it exciting and then the other thing is is you're going to be dead in a hundred years anyway and so uh, the most uh, the most exciting thing is to experience kind of the diversity of the world and life in general and uh, given the time limitation on the whole thing uh, if uh, if you're going to come very much of it at all you got to experience it through the eyes and experiences of other people and uh, so you know therefore uh, yeah f- football is a great deal but uh, uh, also I think you want to experience as much as you can and then the other thing I think it helps football I think it helps football as you're sitting there in these meetings absorbing things uh, what kind of you know, threads you through the whole experience, what makes it exciting, what makes it, you know, where you want to come back the next day, what makes it, uh, you might have some path route that, you know, sure, a curl flat, uh, a curl flat play, which everybody has in their playbook, is a fascinating play, but uh, uh, all of a sudden, as you're absorbing uh, kind of the details and techniques of that, that play becomes uh, quite a bit more fascinating if uh, you can weave some experiences and examples through those experiences into the thing. And then before you know it, uh, 
Earl Flat was actually interesting, you know? You know, it's crazy because I think back to – you mentioned some of the other interests. And I think back to a few years ago. You came on one of our signing day shows and we were joking before we went on air. And I, I think I mentioned Reservoir Dogs. And I said, I bet you can't get you know one or two references in. And I think every single answer – you not only got one reference in. I think every answer had at least two references to to that movie. But I, I, I'm thinking about some of your other interests. What else – what are you passionate about away from football? I, yeah, I, I would say variety. I would say, you know, I mean, uh, one guy said, uh, you know, uh, Michael Lewis, he did an article in New York Times Magazine, and I'd never really given it much thought, but he said he he thought I was real curious. You know, they describe, you know, they, they people describe positive things, negative things. And uh, one thing that he said that I hadn't given much thought but I, he, say, he said you're a real curious guy, and as I got to thinking about it, that that's probably true. I have trouble going to bed at night just because, you know, I'll run across something else, I'll read something else, I'll Google something occasionally. I'll, you know, I've got my whole on-deck circle of books I read. I got an on-deck circle of uh, shows recorded on the TV. I don't watch commercial. You know, I, if, I, if I don't have a fast forward, I don't watch it, so I record it. You know. And, uh, so, you know, I, it, it, and you find yourself kind of yeah, obsessively trying to absorb as much as you can. And then of course, in the midst of that, uh, there's football. I'll tell you one thing I watched yesterday, which was really good is there's a 30 for 30 on the 85 bears, uh, the 1985 bears, which is a fascinating combination of, you know, uh, people blended together. Some of them got along, some of them did But in the end, it was, you know, just a, a great product and arguably the greatest uh, NFL team that's ever played, maybe. Yeah. You, you mentioned having trouble sleeping. Does that have anything to do with the fact that there's an axe under your bed? Is it an axe or a sword? Oh, got, you told me that a while ago. Well, I've got, I've got a couple things and, and more conversation piece than anything or just the people have given it to me. But, um, I don't have trouble sleeping from an insomniac standpoint. I just keep uh, moving the finish line for the day, you know, and the trouble is, is the morning comes when it comes. Like today, the morning came at 6.30, but um, uh, the morning comes when it comes, and so then you just have to fight a 12-rounder and get up and do it. But, yeah, you know, it's like uh, one thing leads to the next, leads to the next, and I keep thinking of something else to do, and, well, I'll do it now instead of tomorrow type of thing, and, or well, just uh, I'll just finish this show, or I'll just finish this chapter, and then, uh, you know, I got an app on my phone, and I'm learning Spanish. I'll just do one more Spanish <laughs> lesson, and then you do like three more, you know. And so then the thing goes, yeah. uh, and, and so that happens. So, but but when I you know when I go to bed, I can sleep. I mean, I'm able to sleep. And then, uh, uh, you ask me about something. Uh, Oh, the axe. Okay, so I got a Viking axe that uh, my wife got. It's pretty cool. It's kind of a bearded axe. The reason they had bearded axes was so you had more cutting surface, uh, usually to chop wood, but then they discovered it became in pretty handy to, you know, to hook shields and to uh, whack whoever you were raiding. I, okay, so I let's see. I'm trying to think what's under that bed. It's been a while since I've been there. I got a cool Viking axe. I got a really cool museum replica pirate sword, a saber, uh, uh, 
you know, and it's, it's, uh, and it's a, it's a nice one too. It's made by the guys that make the West Point swords and, but it's a saber. And, um, where do you get this stuff? Like, how does that happen? You said like the stories behind the people who give it to you. I know. I, I think somebody ordered it off the net, but then, um, and the, the Viking X, I know that my wife got that off the net. Okay. And then, uh, uh, I got a Fijian war club, uh, which is a really cool war club, which I got that in Hawaii. Part of it is, is it's a really cool piece of wood. Okay. So I have a Samoan war club and I have a Fijian war club. Okay. The Samoan war club is like, uh, it looks like a German grenade, except the heavy part at the top is like, uh, kind of pineapple looking, you know, as in it's got bumps and lumps in order to, if you hit somebody, uh, uh, you know, you got these, uh, all kinds of edges. Uh, the Fijian one's interesting because it's a real kind of multifaceted tool made out of that. I don't know whether it's coal wood or iron wood or some, some really hard kind of heavy wood. So it's got, uh, you know, several surfaces that you can do all kinds of mischief, but the one thing, is there's a hook in the middle of it. So, and the idea was that these warriors would put it under somebody's throat, give it a twist, and it would uh, dislodge their vertebrae in a fashion, essentially break their neck, and they're just dead on the spot. And so, uh, so they're can't, pretty can't imagine why you'd way. sleep easy with that under your bed. Well, you know, I, it's like, uh, I, you know, I suppose if uh, you end up with one of those hand-to-hand combat type of burglars, it might come in handy. You, they're not messing big, with you, you coach. Know. They're not messing with you. You know, some kids are scared about what's under their bed. I think if there's a child that's in your room, you actually have to be concerned about what is under, potentially under there. But you said some, all right, so you get some of this stuff. There's there's really cool artifacts and, and you're into, obviously you're, you're an author as well. You're into history, but I don't know how many people realize this about you, but you actually have your law degree. And did you actually practice law? I don't remember that part of the story. I remember being on a bus I, with I, you. I clerked for a while. What I did is I, uh, you know, I went through college fast enough to the point where I, I, I went to college, you know, eight, eight semesters in, in, in four years. So I'd worked during the summer. So I was real young when I got to law school. I was real young when I got to law school and I'd gone through college pretty quick. So I just figured I was going to be an attorney. I didn't have any attorneys in my family, but it just seemed like uh, for some reason I thought I was going to be an attorney. So anyway, so I go to law school at Pepperdine and, uh, I get there and, and I'm 22 years old. Me and this fellow from Michigan State, we're the youngest guys in the school. And we'd even go up and ask our classmates how old they were, especially the young looking ones. So, you know, just to jealously guard our turf that we're the youngest. And, and uh, didn't find anybody younger than the two of us. And so then, uh, uh, and then, you know, so then law school is not one of those things like you get a Ph.D. and you're on the 10 year program and you're still working on your dissertation out of that law school. You go through three years or else, you know, and uh, uh, or else they might start you over. But um, so I get through law school about midway through. I'm thinking, you know, this is going awfully fast because as, you, as you're in law school, you look around and it's kind of a setting for a lot of people, mid to late twenties, early thirties, you know, 
and you know that have actually had some experiences and kind of gone back to law school and I'm thinking well I want to go to Europe but I don't have any money I'd like to do other stuff you know I coach uh, I would like to coach but you know uh, and I had a wife and a, a daughter and so uh, so I'm, I'm thinking well I'm not ready to go hang this shingle up and wear a suit every day and so I need to get this out of my system it wasn't like okay no matter what I'm not practicing law I figured I probably would practice law but it was uh it was more of a, uh, it was more of a, uh, uh, well, I'm going to do something for a year, two years, three at the most, and then, you know, coach and go, go back and practice law. And so then since I was broke and I owed the federal government, uh, $45,000, um, I, uh, had to figure out a way to finance this. So I, I got another degree so I could take out more student loans and I uh, got a master's from the United States Sports Academy and it's you know part of the internships and stuff associated with that degree I got into coaching and uh, basically I've been coaching ever since do you ever think about if you didn't coach if if you were an attorney right now what your life would be like uh, yeah a little bit you know it's uh, uh, a little bit uh, you know, I was always going to do trial stuff, uh, you know, and, and it's hard to specialize perfectly. It's difficult to specialize perfectly. I wanted to do product liability. So if it was a, if it was a bad product, you know, you go sue the corporation and get it off the market type of thing. Um, but, you know, I wanted to do plaintiffs. So I wanted to be a plaintiff's trial attorney type of thing, probably civil, maybe criminal, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'll be honest, and I didn't, uh, I, I really never fully reconciled the notion of wearing a suit, but the, uh, uh, and, and, and I could see it to a point, and football does have some qualities that law does, because, you know, you do have a trial every Saturday, you do have the preparation period the week before and all that stuff, where you try to jam in as much as you possibly can, and get as far as you possibly can, and you don't have the time to cover everything, but uh, if, if you covered it better than the other guy, it improves your chances of, uh, of winning, you know, and, um, and then, so you have to prioritize issues and decide what you're going to feature and devote your attention to. And you have to get a lot done in a short period of time. So there is uh, plenty of parallels. And then, um, uh, I would think that, you know, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against practicing law, but I, I. I think I would have a hard, hard time only practicing law. I'd have to have. I'd have to have something else, some other dimension, some other addition to it. You know, I mean, <clears throat> the, all the attorneys I know work hard and are smart, uh, but a lot of them seem awfully mired in. I mean, there's a point to where, you know, those, those code books, those cases, the initial facts may be interesting, but a lot of what you're talking about is not particularly interesting you know the kind of the nuances and does this come into evidence does this not uh you know and then the other thing is is um you know it's kind of like there's a lot of holes in the law like one prime example well here's a prime example that i personally experienced so so like at texas tech i worked for the entire 2009 season and then, of course, uh, I end up with a bad apple for a chancellor that makes up this whole 
uh, lie, and I end up getting fired. Of course, the lie is proven to be false. And then uh, they don't even pay me for 2009. I haven't been paid for 2009. That wouldn't happen in any other state in the country, and it wouldn't even happen in most third-world countries. But the state of Texas, there's a nuance to their law, and all states have some level of sovereign immunity. What sovereign immunity means is basically that the state uh, the state is immune uh, from from litigation and certain things. And typically it relates to things like uh, eminent domain or some crisis, you know, where you can't sue for punitive damages. Texas is the only state that observes uh, – that will uh, exercise sovereign immunity on an integrated contract. Essentially, you sign a contract with the state of Texas, well, they don't have to honor it. And if they, if they don't honor it, then you have to get a bill passed through the legislature, which is nearly impossible since the legislature doesn't uh, uh, hear a lot of bills anyway. There's a lot of bills that they don't hear. And so, I mean, the last season I worked, we, we win nine games. And, uh, and, and, uh, and the thing is, the payment structure was at the end of the season. They haven't even paid me for 2009. Can you imagine winning nine that's games? That's crazy to me. That's because you worked it. For an entire, an entire season you worked. An entire season you worked. You know? And, uh, uh, and that wouldn't happen in any other state. And if you tell somebody in another state, that's like speaking Egyptian. So I think, you know, <clears throat> to have good attorneys, to have good legislators uh, and things like that's an important thing because stuff like that has to be adjusted. But, you know, this business of... Uh, and the other thing where sovereign immunity is executed in the state a lot is in construction things. If you're a contractor and you have a government job in the state of Texas and you don't get your money up front, you may or may not get paid. And if they don't pay you, there's not a lot you can do. And, uh, you know, and that's North Korean stuff. And, and, and uh, so, you know, the people I dealt with, I dealt with a guy, his business, you know, your word is your bond. You look a guy in the eye. You don't need a contract. I mean. Uh, you, uh, you know, word is your bond, you know, my ass contract. And I still haven't been paid. And my, my contract, my contract with the state of Texas, I may, I may as well done the, done the contract with uh, 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 Kim Jong, uh, is it Un or Il, the two? Un, uh, yeah. The guy in North Korea. I, I, I could have yeah. done one with the guy in North Korea and been as successful with that contract. I, I might have been paid. That's crazy to me. You know, there's a guy, though, that might be able to help you out, Coach, that I think you're – I read that you're pretty close or at least friendly with Donald Trump. He could be the president down the road. He might be able to help you out with this. And he's a business guy. So he, he I think he'd, he'd empathize with your situation. He did the work. You know, it's funny because I've actually uh, – I've actually uh, talked to him about it, and he's disgusted by the whole thing. But the thing is he's got his own fish to fry and, and – uh, Things like that, but there's a point to where, uh, you know, uh, law and personal integrity and all these people going to church every Sunday and whatnot, it, it, you know, this needs to be about the right thing, not what you yeah. can get away with. And, 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 you know, what can you get away with? Well, I mean, that's why Baylor's in trouble right now. It's because, you know, the, you know, some of those players there have the what can you get away with mentality, you know, and then I haven't read the report, but, you know, the rest that goes along with that. What can you get away with? Well, yeah, it's disgusting. So basically, some of the administrators I dealt with, they were, what can you get away with, guys? 
Well, they, they're getting away with a, a decent amount at this point. You're speaking of Donald Trump, by the way, because you've talked to him about this. Is Trump your most famous friend? I mean, can I characterize him as a friend for you? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, it's hard to say. I don't, you know, because uh, like Matthew McConaughey, I, I we know about that. Like, like I who's? Always figure, I always figured you were the most famous. I mean, <laughs> I call I, home I, and my I, mom I, says, "Who is this?" And I'm an only child. I, uh, <laughs> I, I see if I see you on TV more often. You know, we have the when we go in our coaches' locker room, we have the Pac-12 Network going on the TV, so I see you more often than I do. It. Although I, I have to say, Trump's giving you a run for the money lately because I, you know, I would think on the TV, Trump Trump's on a lot, and then I'd uh, like to think I have better hair than he does. I, you both have great hair. I'll tell you. Here's the other thing. He's, he's got uh, he's got better hair than you. I'll, I'll tell you this. Like all this business, you know, everybody's got all these theories. No, it's his hair. It, 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 it's it's like real fine hair, but it's his hair. And it's uh, actually his. his? Hair just, oh yeah, his hair just lays down better than mine does. You know, mine goes straight up. And then uh, no, you got the wave uh, to it. You got a little wave to it. I got a I got a little wave. I'm not like a. I don't have like a full Kramer going. You know, but, uh, and, and if I grew it as long as it, it, w- it, it wouldn't be a total Kramer, but it would be kind of halfway in between, you know? And, uh, so, uh, and, um, yeah, so, and then, uh, and I'm kind of cranked about this, uh, uh I'm kind of cranked about this, uh, McConaughey's in South Africa shooting a, a movie. I don't know the plot where he's the devil. So, and I think wow. he'd make a good de- uh, a good devil. So I'm looking he's, forward he's, to that. You know? How are you even for, like? It, are is it McConaughey and Trump? Are they and like on your phone? Are they the most two, the two most famous people in, on your contact list? I shoot. I don't. Like, I, who, I haven't who would really be thought some... about it much. Uh, I haven't really thought about it very much. Because um, you and McConaughey are fairly close, right? Don't you stay at his place occasionally down in? He's down in Florida, isn't he? No, no, he's he's yeah, Austin and Malibu. Oh, that's okay. I don't know why I had Florida in my head, but like you guys are tight. Uh, like, yeah. Like uh, you get to a certain level. Don't like famous people just like hang out with each other. Like, hey, you need the keys for the weekend in my 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 like mansion. Here you go. Like, it's not a. It's 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 like nothing. Is that how it works at your level? Yeah, you know, I've, 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 it's not near as fat. You know, the, the, the toughest thing is, is you don't get to see us, each other as much as you might like because everybody's busy. Um, the other thing is, is the stories are very fascinating. Um, and then the other thing, uh, you know, the, the, the more famous some of these people are, you know, there's a point to where you're a little isolated, you know, where you, you the, it's cool the experiences you have. It's cool uh, some of the stuff you get to check out that other people don't. But also, um, you know, you're you're all, you, you can it, it can be a little bit isolating. You know, it's not like it's just uh, you know going to the store and buying a, a quart of milk or something type of thing. You know, I mean. Yeah. Uh, so I I mean, and then the other thing is is. Uh, you know, so the the other thing, there's almost there's no almost nobody, uh, you know, that's accomplished and had some of those experiences that didn't work incredibly hard, that didn't make huge sacrifices, and that type of thing. So, you know, that that portion of uh, their experience in their lives is really interesting because, 
you know, there, there, in, in almost every case, um, there was a certain amount of hard work, perseverance, plug away, tough times, good times, put one foot in front of the next and, and, uh, and just, uh, keep going, you know? And then, uh, and so, uh, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's uh, plenty of that. I mean, it's, uh, uh, but then the other thing is, is, uh, I'll tell you the, uh, a lot of, a lot of times, some of these, um, folks are pretty shy and, and, cause you know, uh, a lot of people kind of tugging at you and you don't know exactly what they want or if they have some kind of an agenda or something. And so there's, uh, sometimes there's a certain, uh, I don't know, shy is the right word, but just, a you know, I mean, I think it becomes tough to open up until you really know or trust yeah. somebody you know? in, a, in a bubble for sure. You know, Mike, and I, I think we're going longer than I anticipated with you. So I'm going to let you go on this. What's your, cause you have a million of them. What's your go-to like football story, something that's happened to you that when someone says you go to a banquet or you're speaking somewhere and they say, Mike, what's your go-to story? I know you have a few. What, what would that be for, for at least in this moment? I'll tell you a real fascinating one, which, uh, uh, which is a great, great story. It's funny when you said it, uh, I'm not going to re I'm not going to repeat it. First of all, because of Dirk Russell's story, one of the greatest coaches of all time, who okay. was the defensive coordinator for the university of Georgia created the junkyard dogs. And then was like one of America's greatest coaches when he was at Georgia Southern, the program started the program. And then of course, won national championships, a guy that I was honored to meet and I did get, I did get the opportunity to meet him and, you know, and was just like, you know, it was like, this is one of the greatest coaches ever. And so, um, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where I maintained pretty good, but I was kind of, uh, I was a little overwhelmed meeting the guy and, uh, you know, just cause I had such respect for what he'd done and what he'd accomplished. And, um, he used to tell a story, and and I've told it once or twice, but I, this is in Eric Russell's words, but he had a story of Timbuktu. And what the story of Timbuktu is about is if you want something, uh, if you want something bad enough, uh, you can get it accomplished. But uh, those that have a deeper interest in it uh, can look up the story of Timbuktu, and then. Uh, which is a very inspiring motivational story. There's definitely people that'll be offended by it. That's what I get a kick out of nowadays. There's all these detectives trying to figure out something to be offended by, you know, all these people, they want to, their insecurities and sensitivities. They think they're allowed to be offended by everything. You know what? I'm, I'm offended by everybody being offended by offended. It. That offends me. <laughs> and, and so all those people, everybody offended right now. I think, I, I think I'm owed an apology because I'm very sensitive to it. Uh, I don't feel good about stepping out my front door because there's all these offended people. I don't know what their offended mindset may lead them to do. Uh, I feel like I'm being attacked by them being offended. And so <laughs> I think uh, anybody that's offended right now owes me an apology and owes everybody an apology, um, uh, you know, because uh, rather than uh, buck up and not uh, create distraction and my life and others, uh, they're busy being offended and, and also searching for things to be offended. And so, you know, they're offended for no better reason than the sake of being offended. And that totally offends me. 
meekly awaiting my litany of apologies. I mean, I, I, they, 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 it should take them 10 years. At the rate we're offended in this country right now, it should take 10 years for me to enjoy and receive all the apologies I'm owed, at least. I think it'd be a lot longer than that. A lot longer than that. Timbuktu. I don't look at it. I'm thinking maybe somebody, if they have the same apology, they could join up. And then uh, they could join up. And so, like, you could get these 5,000, you know, they're offended on this issue. So, boom, okay, you've wiped out 5,000 apologies there, you know. And, yeah, just uh, put it on Twitter. Hashtag it. I'm sorry. Topic. Exactly. Hashtag. I'm sorry. Game, set, match. It's over. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I, I agree. I agree. I, that's because, the easiest uh, way to do it. By the way, was there I a mean, specific... Uh, Coach, was there a specific thing about Timbuktu and this city? Oh, well, it, 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 it's, it's about, it's about uh, two master poets, two master poets. One is a fabulous poet, and one of the finest poets uh, America's ever enjoyed in his visit to St. Peter at the Pearly Gate. The other was a guy that was not nearly as talented of a poet, uh, uh, but nevertheless, you know, was confronted with, you know, how do I get into heaven? Am I able to make it into heaven as well? And, uh, and uh, you know, and then, of course, uh, it, 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 the, the story of Timbuktu will tell you whether he made it to heaven or not. But the thing is, is uh, grit, determination, um, opportunity, innovation, you can do anything you want to do, and the you know, and the best is uh, the setting. It was when he first told this story. Uh, now what the heck? Wait, okay, so here's the story of Timbuktu. Okay, so 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 you got Irk Russell, and I don't want to I don't want to hammer this or destroy this in any way. Okay, so first national championship, they're getting ready to play Furman, right? Okay. And Furman is purple, the color of royalty. Okay, and Furman's won yeah. several national championships in one AA, one of the more decorated teams in the history of one AA back then. And so it's at the banquet, and it's uh, you know the banquet before the game. The next day is going to be the game, and you know the the Furman guys get up and we're so proud, you know, you know, and this uh, and they are, they're not taking Georgia Southern very serious. And Georgia Southern, of course, is kind of a steel blue color, like as in blue collar, okay? And uh, so they uh, they get a, 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 you know, so so the Furman guy speaks, and, you know, you can tell they're not totally concerned about Georgia Southern. Eric Russell gets up there, and part of it, you got to understand, you know, the way his face, and he had this grin that was just classic. And so then... Um, he gets up there and he says, well, he goes, we're certainly overwhelmed and you know, impressed with Furman. And, and it reminds me of uh, a story of two guys that died and they met St. Peter at the pearly gates. And uh, the first, and, and, and St. Peter says to the first guy, he says, what did you do on earth? The guy says, I was a poet. And, and, and he was a poet too. He's really a really good poet. And uh, very polished, a lot like Furman was, you know, in, in, in Coach Russell's opinion, and a lot like Furman. And, um, um, 
And then, uh, so then St. Peter turns to the other guy. And the other guy had done a lot of things. He hadn't really been a poet. He just had a lot of jobs and lived a lot, you know. And, uh, you know, some of them where he had to get his hands dirty, like Georgia Southern. And so then he says, St. Peter says, what did you do? And that guy says, uh, uh, he's trying to think, you know, and he's on the spot. And he says, uh, well, uh, I was a poet, too. Now, he'd written a limerick or two, but, you know, he, you know, wasn't really published or anything like that, you know. And so St. Peter turns to the first guy, the guy that was a really good poet. And he says, all right. He says, I want right here, right now on the spot, I want you to compose a poem and tell me the poem in order to get into heaven. And, uh, and so the guy gets a big smile on his face because he knows he's, he's got this. He's going to heaven. So he says, I walked along the glorious shore. I heard the mighty breakers roar. A great ship came sailing through its destination, Timbuktu. And St. Peter's <laughs> going, geez, that's, I mean, that's a great poem. I mean, yeah, well, and so, and then he, and, and he turns to the other guy and he says, all right, now you do the same thing. The other guy's saying, damn, why did I tell him I was a poet? And he says, now, I mean, I got to get into heaven. He says, what am I going to do? And, and, and he goes, what am I going to do? He goes, uh, you know, I did a little stuff and, well, I got to think of a poem. And St. Peter's waiting, getting kind of impatient. So finally the guy, it, it came to him. The guy says, uh, <clears throat> him and I a walking went when we saw three mittens in a tent. They were three, and we were two. So I bucked one, and Tim bucked two. <laughs> uh, Dr. So Seuss 2.0? Yeah, if you want to accomplish something uh, bad enough, you can do it. And then the next day, George Southern won the national championship, their first one. How about that? Fantastic. That is the, that's the drop the mic moment here on the Give Me a Sense podcast. Coach, really appreciate it. I know we went longer than, than I, I had promised, but I, I do appreciate you giving me some time and telling me a, uh, many funny stories. Thanks so much. Well, great talking to you, and I look forward to seeing you. I got to be honest. Every time I have a conversation with him, it is exactly like that. He just kind of goes in all these different directions. So entertaining. Um, and a guy that's that's really got this uh, sort of renaissance man in him in a lot of different ways. Uh, and you can certainly tell uh, he is passionate about other things besides football, but obviously has had a lot of success on the football field. So really appreciate Coach stopping by and giving us a few minutes. Coming up next week on the show, it is a roundtable conversation. Ashley Adamson, who is uh, one of the hosts at the Pac-12 Network with me, we do a show together called Sports Report. She's going to be on the show with Sarah Kustak, who is the sideline reporter. She also does some analyst work as well for the Brooklyn Nets. So I think the two of those uh, people will stop by the show. We'll have a conversation conversation on on what it's like to get into broadcasting from the female perspective and some of the challenges that they've had in their career. That's going to be a must-listen-to show. Um, it was great to talk with both of them the other week. We obviously tape a lot of these shows and roll them out. You can listen to any of them at any single time. That's the beauty of, of the show. I like the stories, but I want them. I want all these shows to be evergreen. Continue to fire off that feedback on Twitter, at Mike underscore Yam, at Mike underscore Yam on Instagram as well. And I don't want to forget about the Facebook page, which is just Mike Yam. Once again, appreciate 
the downloads, continue to subscribe, continue to listen, and pass the message along. If you know if you're enjoying a lot of these shows, let some of your friends know that uh, about the show and where they can find it. Once again, on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, which you can find on blogtalkradio.com and on Stitcher as well. Thanks again for listening.